Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Forgiven Podcast. I'm uh, Pastor Mike Gordon, uh, Bethel Brandon here, and I'm with my sidekick here, Logan. Logan, how are you today? I'm fantastic. Good. Hey, today we've got something that uh, we wanted to talk about, which is of ultimate importance. Uh, chances are you might agree with some of the things that we're needing to talk about. Some of you have heavily hard feelings about this. And so we need to talk about it. Now, it's not going to be exhaustive. And what we need is your feedback. So if you are listening and you kind of are piqued by the interest of this subject, then I need you to write in. And so your comments and, and how how you uh, articulate those comments and, and that help us in the process of being able to uh, make this podcast better. And the idea is that we want to incrementally cause us to grow. And and again, we have people that may be listening who are just new in their faith and there are people who, are, who have been... Christians for long periods of time and and the process is we never arrive until we get to heaven and so what we want to do is slowly grow no matter where we're at. So today we want to talk about the subject of hell and uh, it is an interesting one because as I was a young Christian growing up there were many sermons on hell and now that I'm now that I'm older uh, there has been a marked change and shift in the trend of what hell is, how we're supposed to talk about hell. Uh, I came up and I grew up in a church where the um, the play, and many of us who are listening might know this play, it was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Uh, our church had the very first one. The person who, who wrote it had attended our church. And uh, and the ministry went, they had teams that had gone, there's still our teams that, that do go in and do this play you go into the church and do it it was called heaven's gates and hell's flames there was a number of skits well we have we have i've had discussions with those who are leading it to perhaps bring it back to the church to show it again and it it had to do with the fact that there were people who were living and all of a sudden they die and they and once they die they find themselves in heaven uh, before an angel trying to see if their name is in the land's book of life and they have a decision whether they have chosen to serve jesus or not when they were alive and so um as I was discussing this, I know that there was we come up with the conversation about heaven and hell. Is it a good thing to talk about hell? Why do we not talk about hell anymore? Uh, and 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 are we as a church doing a, di- a disservice by not telling people about hell? You know, Jesus in his ministry talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. And so there are a lot of things that we need to discuss, and it is important to and. And, and to be able to, to draw some conclusions. And I think that perhaps one of the first uh, tricks of uh, satanic uh, battle or the spiritual battle is that Satan, first of all, wants you to believe that he doesn't exist. Yep. And if he doesn't exist, then why would there be a hell that exists? Yes. And we get uncomfortable. And, and some people think that it's controversial, but it actually is in the Word of God many, many, many times. Yeah. So it really shouldn't be a controversial subject. It's, I, we were talking about this before the show, and I think it's important that hell for me, even in Bible college, never once actually heard a sermon on hell. I studied it in the sense of like we learned that it exists and stuff, but I've never heard a sermon on that. Actually, to this day, besides like going out and looking for one myself to learn myself, I've never actually heard one. Mm. Uh, it almost seems like it's a taboo topic. Mm. It's like, oh no, you don't talk about sex from the pulpit. Oh, you don't talk about hell 
from the I dis- I discovered that I I do, but the thing is, many times I and I have actually mentioned uh, there was actually a sermon series which I was was preaching on a few years ago called Eight Hundred Pound Gorillas, and one of them had to do with the subject of hell and eternity and that whole process. Many times, if I'm speaking, I will address hell, but I have come to realize that many times I won't say the word hell. I will say a lost eternity. And yeah. and I was asking myself, am I doing a disservice by not actually mentioning the term hell? Now, many times people, if they were if they were to uh, to have a uh, sermon, I said, next week I'm going to be talking on hell. I want you to bring as many of your friends who don't normally come to church to this because this is an important topic, that there will be many people who would not invite their friends out to it because they don't want to... uh, First of all, they don't want to offend their friends or they feel that it is a bad form of evangelism. I would say that there may be even a slight truth to that Mm -hmm. in the sense that I remember... uh, I was talking to Pastor Ruth Dunbauer about this. We've had her on before. She's a youth pastor. Awesome. And I was talking to her about hell and like what it was. And, and and she basically told me, she's like, Logan, she's like, being a Christian isn't just fire insurance, right? Like being a Christian isn't just to save yourself from hell. It's to have a loving relationship with Jesus and to strive for all of these things. And so that's my one point of contention when you're saying like, if you're going to do a big sermon on hell and invite all your friends, we shouldn't be scaring them necessarily into submission into this idea of like, oh no, I'm gonna die this eternal whatever, and I need to now, you know, get right with God. Like that is true, yeah. but I don't think that that should be the selling point. Nope. If that makes sense, because the gospel stands on its own. We've swung the opposite end of the pendulum. Yes, it used to be something that we utilized all the time, and now we've swung we've too far the other so way. So far the other way that we don't address the reality yes. of hell. I would agree. And as a result, and I believe that a lot of this is due to a societal shift, that we used to be under a, a Christian undergirding that, that talked about these things. But the further we go into what I would call the post-Christian era, uh, the, the idea and the thought about hell becomes more offensive to some. We don't want to offend people, but at the same time, we have to talk about the reality that there is an eternity that if you don't know Jesus takes you away from the presence of God. And so this becomes an important aspect of evangelism. It comes up an important aspect of, of holiness. And it, it becomes, if you're not talking about hell, you're, you're incomplete in your theology and your thinking and, and the processes of living your faith out. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. Uh, I agreed with the part you said before. Yeah. I'm just, it just, uh, in my mind of like being coming from that more new Christianity, like it, I'm going to be honest, like if I'm going to tell my friends about Jesus, I'm not going to first start with, yeah, so if you don't believe in what I'm going to say, you're going to, you know, be thrown into a lake of fire and, and, you know, live eternal punishment. Like, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be, you know, like, hey, like, yeah, we've all made mistakes, but there's this, you know, Jesus guy and, and whatever. And so then once I like kind of hook them, then I'm going to yeah. explain the yes. the other part of and it. And if I'm talking to my friends who don't know the Lord, who are who are you know aren't practicing their faith, and I say, listen, if you if you're not serving Jesus, you are bound for I'll say again a lost eternity. You are born, you are bound for hell. And as soon as I say that, all of a sudden there's an off switch. Yeah. Oh yeah. That takes place 
in their lives and that's not what I want to do. And I believe that that is kind of the, the mentality of thinking of people who are trying and seeking to win their friends to Christ. Absolutely. Now, the, the thought is that how do I articulate something which is so important for people who, if they don't know Jesus, are bound for a lost eternity or are bound to go to hell? How do I articulate that in a way that they will be able to receive it? Is it something that that you need to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to their hearts in doing? You know, I I remember um, reading in church history there was a fellow named Jonathan Edwards who who uh, preached the message that he's famous for the message, which is called "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," and they said that as he spoke that there were people who were running to the altar that that the power in that message was so profound that people came in droves as a result of that service and as a result of that sermon. And so so the question is, how has that changed now? Obviously, the reality of hell has not changed, right? So so those are some of the introductory comments. We, yeah. I'm going to tell you, um, I'll just say right now that... Um, some of the things that we're going to talk about are certainly not going to be exhaustive. And in some respects, that is good because it requires you to look a little bit deeper yeah. and, and, and search out the scriptures and search out the, your, your thoughts on the subject so that, so that we can you know, talk at a little bit more um, at a level that you can discern for yourself. And, you know, to be able to dig deep into the Word of God and to understand what was happening and, and going. So so we do we do have a few scriptures that, that we, we have kind of put down just to kind of talk about them. You know, the one, was, the one scripture that we kind of uh, put out there was Mark chapter 9, verses 43. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life main than, than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never gives out. Yeah, it's... it's- Real bold, strong language coming from Mark here to really re- emphasize the point of like you don't want to end up here. Yeah. Now the long version of that passage has to do with, hey, if your eye offends you, yeah, pluck it out. If your your hand or your foot or your leg, then then the what he is what he is. Uh, if you take a look at the representation, the eye is what you look at. Your hand is what you do. do. Your foot is where you go. Right, but the the thought is this: you don't want to jeopardize eternity at all. Yeah, that is what Jesus is actually saying. Yeah, you don't want the world yeah. or anything in your around you to affect your eternity. Yeah, one one of the passages that that I find very sobering was of the unforgiving sermon, the parable that Jesus talks about. Yeah, and he says, you know, this guy. This guy owes 20,000 talents, which is like billions and billions of dollars, and the king forgives him. And then the other guy owes him what would be the equivalent of maybe $20,000, which is a lot of money. Still a lot. <laughs> and and all of a sudden, he asks for forgiveness, and the guy won't, and he chokes him and all this whole, this whole thing. And when the king finds out, he says, hey, you're going to have to pay your debt. And, and, and he, he's the, the analogy is talking about being lost. The analogy is talking about hell. And so and so the, the thought is this. Forgiveness is an important issue, right? It can, it can, unforgiving spirit can land you in a lost eternity. And, and those are, wow, that's, that's pretty sobering. There's, there's the passage which says, 
oh, I've done all these things. I prophesied in your name. I've done all these things. And he says, depart from me. You know, I never knew you. Like those are those are pretty sobering things. And many of these things that are being talked about are things that Jesus is actually saying to himself. Be real people. Like to people. And yes. I think it's really important too to recognize that um like just to get it out there, because we didn't dis- I don't think we explicitly say hell is real. Like yeah. this isn't some poetic language or you know, like some metaphor or yes. something like that. Like this is not this isn't like reading through Song of Songs when he's talking about, you know, the grapefruits and stuff like that. Like it's not that at all. This is something that will is yeah. real. It will happen. Yeah. Like this this isn't metaphorical, poetic language that is spread out in other parts yeah. of the Bible. I just wanted to make that clear that sure. like hell is like is real. This yes. is something that like will happen. And Jesus many times. I know uh, there was one scripture where he talks about an individual named Lazarus. Yes. And a lot of people assume that that is a parable. That's not no, a parable. No, that's that's just a real story. And he lived he lived with all these things in his his life, and and he dies, and and so even then he's he's lying, he's there in hell in torment, and he's calling on this person who is his servant, who is in at that point is Abraham's bosom, and he's saying, "Can you just get him to do it?" Still, he still thinks that he's better than than him. That whole process is a very terrifying thought. Yes, it is. Hell's not a place that you want to go. No, it's it's. I think it, that just leads into the. I think what is hell? Why does it exist? Let's lay the base level, like what it is, because I don't think some people even understand that. Because yeah. I know for a long time I didn't really fully understand the significance of what hell is and and why you want to you know have a relationship with Jesus to avoid that and and all of these things. Yeah. And so. so yeah, so for those of you who are right at the beginning stages of figuring these things out, hell is a place that has been reserved for those people who have chosen uh, not to not to follow Jesus yeah. and have not accepted the gift of salvation. Yes. And so you have a choice as to whether you are going to serve God or whether you are not. And, and so God allowing you to have a free will to choose to serve him or not uh, make that choice on earth. And it's not an idea of, well, if I have uh, 20 really good things I've done and I only have five really bad things I've done, that qualifies me for heaven, that there's some type of a, a good works scale. Yeah. There's a big scale in the sky, and if I can if I can do more good things than bad things and the, it weighs in my favor, then I can be there. Nowhere. No. It's not even mentioned in the Bible. The Bible basically says we're all sinners. We all have fallen short of God's glory. And so as a result, that's why Jesus had to come so that we could avoid being lost because of sin that has that and has put that that uh, death mark on us. Yes. And yeah, I just think it's important to to lay that out because um yeah, hell is real. I can't I just I can't stress that enough that this is something that you know, we just don't talk about enough. And I really want the listeners to understand that, like, yeah. this is something that is real. And some of you might be asking the question of, well, God is so loving, right? Why does why does hell have to why does hell exist if God is supposed to be love and and all this stuff? Well, it's because God is still love, but God is still also all of His other attributes at the same time, and one doesn't supersede the other one. So it's not like one day He's loving and the next day He's angry. He is all of them at once, which means they all have to be equal. And part of the 
God that we serve and the God that created us is that he is just, meaning that he is the ultimate form of like justice and equality. Therefore, when God created us and he created the world, he created the rules that we have to follow. And those rules are that when we sin, the punishment was death. Yeah. And as you begin to describe hell and the thought of, you know, I know that there have been a lot of people who have asked me, uh, well, I don't know if I believe in this eternal fire aspect of things and and that and I think the ultimate the ultimate thing about hell is that you become separated from the presence of God. That was going to be my next point. Was- Those are in, in important things. I, I, I as I talk to certain people on the subject, I'll say the whole reason or one of the main reasons that Jesus comes and dies is so that we will not have to pay the penalty for the sin that is in our life, which would be that separation from God. Yes. Now, having said that, there have been there has been some interesting conversation that has happened uh, in media, in Christian circles. Uh, I, I know I was just recently listening to a podcast which uh, there was an author talking and has done a study of near-death uh, experiences. Or, and those people who have kind of, you know, they, they were... Um, the what is that dead head redlined or what is it the uh, flatline flatline there we go <laughs> they flatlined and and for for some reason they're able to be revived again and and so the whole thought is well you know doctors will say well that's just kind of the way your brain acts well this book as it comes out talks about the fact that that you know in all the instances that that we hear of they all have the same story even though they don't quite you know they don't kind of talk to each other or anything yeah. like that. And many of them happen in different parts parts of the world within different cultures. And and it seems to be the exact same thought which is happening. And and uh, this this author, John Burke, I know the, the one book that he has, uh, Imagine the God of Heaven, and talks about instances where people have died and come back and the stories that they have told. And it was interesting that... They kind of say there there have been instances of both heaven and hell. A lot of times we will only hear the stories of heaven, but you know, in some of the specs, he says he says a lot of times when they talk about hell, it's the worst place. It's worse than they've ever imagined. When they talk about heaven, it is greater than anything that they've ever imagined. Yeah. A study that as I was looking um, and kind of studying a little bit on the topic, there came across the story of a fellow whose name was Dr. Maurice Rawlings, who was a cardiologist. And uh, what happened was he began to record and interview uh, people who had claimed near-death experiences. Now, I imagine if you're a cardiologist, there are Probably people who a have, of those. he's seen that taking place. And the difference between his study and other studies is that he had done the interviews and talked about it directly after the experience. So what happens is you don't have an opportunity to reimagine it. Yeah. And so uh, while the patients were still too shaken you know, to to uh, to think it over. This is this is this is the truth. This is exactly what I saw. And sometimes, sometimes the story will change because it is just so much. It is such a an intense thing that they don't want to believe that it was actually true. And so yeah. they, what they do is they change the story. You know, he said fifty percent of them reported encountering images of fire, of tormented, of being tormented, of uh, and of tormenting creatures. And so this is. This is a hailing from every place and from different ty- different places and things like that. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. And in the end of the interview, it says Dr. Rawlings concludes, "Just listening to these patients has changed my life. There is a life after death, 
And if I don't know where I'm going, it is not safe to die. Well, that was kind of a really impactful thing. And and so there are so many of these things that it is becoming hard for for um, science to ignore it. They're saying this is exactly what it is. Now there there are many theological theologians that say well, this doesn't that doesn't exist either. But uh, as as we are listening to these stories, it is interesting to to take a look at the reality of it. So yeah, so so um, I, I hope I didn't. Sometimes I go on a tangent. No, that was a good because <laughs> one of the things too that um, is a very sad reality that I don't think a lot of Christians think about is that when we talk about like hell, that means that there will be people in this world who will ultimately even have a near-death experience like you just said and will still refuse the gift of salvation. Yes. Like They will see eternal flame, whatever, all the creatures and everything that you just talked about in Dr. Rowling's story, and they will still choose to not believe in God. Right. And that is why hell has to exist because God gave us free will and people will openly deny him. Yeah. And that sucks. It hurts my soul when I think about that. Well, hell does a number of things to an individual, to myself anyways. Hell gives me a healthy fear. Yeah. That is, that is, if, if the, as that is a reality, you know, it, it motivates me to serve him at a greater level of holiness or desire to serve him and to live a life which is pure and one that and you need you need to serve God because you love him but also taking a look at the reality of the fact that there is an eternity that we are judged for whether you go to heaven or whether you do go to hell there is a judgment right that is one the other thing is is it motivates me to tell people about Jesus because I don't want them to be in a lost eternity yeah that's Right. Yeah, and we talked about that at the beginning of the show too. Of like, yeah. Um, I agree with you. It gives me a. <laughs> this is kind of funny. It lights a fire under my butt a little bit, so to speak, to kind of get on the ball of like, no, like we need to be telling as many people as possible about the gods. That's why this podcast is so important to me, is because it's one of the best ways that I can think of to share this message with as many people as possible. Yeah. And so, like, I think for those listening. You know, even like if you've been a Christian for one day or, you know, 20, 30 years, whatever, we all should still have the same desire to help people come to know Jesus and have a flourishing relationship with Christ. Because then that means I don't have to, you know, endure eternal punishment and, and all these things, you know, and experience a life away from God. Yeah. Because I don't think we fully grasp what that means, a life away from God. Because right now, God is actively in each person's life doing things, providing things for them every single day. We just choose not to see that. Yes. But yes. once, you know, the end times happen and all of that stuff happens and God is actually separated from your life, yeah. it's actually unfathomable what that yeah. will look like. But it's not going to be good. Yeah. So if I'm telling friends who don't who don't know the Lord and I'm trying to win them, you know, to faith in Christ, the first, the first topic I do not bring up is hell. Yeah, me too. Right? But I believe that it's important if you are in continual conversations that it is a topic. I'll just say this, that it is a question. Whenever someone close to us dies, it is the silent question that very few people come out 
and ask publicly, but certainly inside, inside their spirit, in their heart, they ask, okay, so what happens? So what does happen when I die? Is there an afterlife? And if there is an afterlife, where do I stand as far as that's concerned? The, I mean, you and I can, I think, agree to this, being, you know, very few Christians in our families, like, especially, like, you know, with mine, I am, anytime somebody passes away, oh, Logan, are they in heaven? I don't know. Like, did they have a relationship with Jesus? Because if not, then I'm, I I used to tiptoe around and I used to be like, well, maybe, I don't know. Did they know Jesus? With my family, they didn't ask that question. See, I, They would just come to, well, they were a good person. We, we just automatically send them to heaven because we don't want to deal. Yeah, we don't want to talk the about the gritty, real crux yeah. of, the, of the issue there. And so I have started to just be honest with them and say, like, look, if they weren't, if they didn't know Jesus at all, then yeah, sorry. I believe they're in hell right now. And, and it's like, most of the time, they're like, okay. Because most of them don't have an opinion on it either way. And this isn't just my family. These are my close friends and stuff, too. Um, and it's like, I just, I'm just going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to baby them anymore. Like, it's not like I'm at the point where, like, I'm going to be nice. And I'm not just going to be like, yeah, they ended up down there. Like, whatever. Like, no, I'm going to explain to them why I think that and, yeah. and all these things. And most of the time, they're fairly respectful about it because they ask my opinion, obviously. So, it like, um, but I just don't know if you've ever had that, you know, that. Yeah. I've had I've had to deal with if all I am doing is thinking of people going to hell, then that level of intensity is too much for me. Hmm. Now I don't know if that I don't know if that's a weakness in me or anything. I often I you know I come to the realization that that is the thing, but it certainly it certainly becomes a level of of intensity that makes it hard to deal with, and I think that that becomes an issue with Christians. You know, I just, I, I can't think of it to that extent all the time because it just gets me down that there are so many people that I, you know, would like to see in heaven and I'm afraid that I won't if they all of a sudden were to die, yeah. right? So at the same time, I think I think it's an important thing that it is part of our, yeah, no, in of death, our thinking. It, so I said this at the beginning of the show before we were recording, and I think I'm going to say it now because I like the way I said it. You can't talk about heaven... Without talking about hell. Right. Because you do heaven a disservice by not fully explaining the both sides of the of the continuum. Okay, so now as you have said this, this will say I'm gonna say something. Okay. And I know that there might be people who will disagree or might be angry with me by saying it. I wonder if a lot of Christians on a practical level don't believe in either heaven or hell. That's a good question. I, I I wonder if I wonder if um, one of the biggest problems in the church today is what I will call practical atheism. Right? We profess we profess something, but we don't live according to the truth that is there. I, I, one of the one of the famous quotes of the French atheist Voltaire. Yes, old Voltaire has was this: If I really believed in a hell, I would crawl on my hands and knees across France telling people about Jesus. That was a statement that he made. I remember. And that. so and so that is like well, see if we believe that such a place exists, why are we not more exuberant in in at least praying for our friends uh, to know to know Jesus. See, I have a response to that. Okay. In my own mind of thinking a specifically the Voltaire quote 
because I remember hearing that in Bible college and I remember thinking about that. And for me, it's not that I wouldn't be willing to go on my hands and knees or anything like that. It's, it's just that it's not that hell scares me. It does. It's just that I'm more excited about going to heaven and having eternal life. So when it comes to me and what I'm going to tell people, I'm not going to do the doom and gloom. I'm going to focus on the like, you know what? No, like actually like when you, when we die, we get to live eternal life in heaven and we get to be with God and we get to do all these cool things. And so it's like, it's, it's almost like a marketing choice as to which one you want to sort of like focus yeah. on. And I get the point of what you're saying yeah. though, is like if we are really emboldened and passionate about, about this stuff, then like we should be telling every single person that we know, yeah. do not like fall into this. And, and at this point, let me just tell you, we're, we're two imperfect people trying to figure this out ourselves. I'm not coming from an angle that says, I've got all the answers and you need to listen to all of my answers because I struggle. I struggle with the whole concept. I struggle with the whole concept of if I believe in heaven, if I believe in hell, why do my plans only extend to the end of this end of this life? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. And so, and so, you know, it's like, it's like there's a mentality that is within many of us that is this, I will deal with one world at a time. I believe in heaven, but right now I'm on earth and I'm going to deal with earth and I'll deal with heaven when I get to heaven. Or I'll deal with my eternity when I get to that eternity. The problem is, by the time that you get to the eternity, it's too late to make whatever changes that need to. And then the Bible is clearly talking about, about in terms of heaven, the dry run that we have here on earth and how you live on earth affects how how your eternity is and and there are rewards and there are there are um, you know just thoughts thoughts even let's just talk about giving you can't take it with you but you can send it ahead that's what the bible talks about in terms of our giving that as you as you live if you have a mentality that there is a heaven then my investments everything i do on this earth will affect my eternity in heaven, right? And so, so that becomes that becomes the the question I ask. So, if if all you are doing is working one world at a time, do you really believe that heaven exists? And some will say yes, but I don't have to deal with it right now because what I do right now has nothing to do with the afterlife, and nothing could be further from the truth, right? Mike, see when you when I when you say that, I was challenged in a good way. But my thing is, how do I actually think about, like, because our brains can't fathom what that is actually going to be. So I understand that, like, we have to do everything we can here mm. on Earth yeah. to make sure that, like, everybody's in the afterlife and, and all this. But it's like, so then my question is, how do people actually start thinking two-dimensionally or three-dimensionally? Yeah. I think that, I think as you take a look at certain things, there's certain clues that are in Scripture that talk to us about it, that, that make statements. There was, there's that passage in 1 Corinthians where, where it says that, you know, everything you do will be tried by fire. And that doesn't have anything to do with hell. It has to do with the fact that there are some that will have be rewards in, in gold and silver and precious stones. And then there will be those who will, who will have their, their works that will kind of be like wood, hay, and stubble. And if all of a sudden that is in heaven, he says, you'll make it to heaven. But like if someone who is escaping the flame, that's what, that's what the scripture says. You know, so in, in other words, you know, the things that you do, if if you really believe in a heaven, 
it will affect what you do here on earth in a positive way. You know, the statement that is made today, you are so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. The, the opposite is actually true. The more heavenly minded I am, the more earthly effective I am because everything that I do will be in loving and caring for, for mankind and or womankind yeah. <laughs> of, of humanity. Humankind. Humanity and, and trying to, to, produce, to produce a life that, that brings about the kingdom of God. Right, and so these these become important issues, and and so I think it's just important to ask yourself: Do I really believe in heaven? As it is to ask yourself: Do I really believe in the hell? I I would agree because I said before you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Because um, I think that that's really important. Man, a lot of good like that just like challenged me to like the way you said it of like if you're if you're living for heaven, then you're you're living for earth. Like like if you're actually like having your your sight set on heaven yeah. then you're going to be accomplishing things that you need to be accomplishing here on earth yeah i think that's a good challenge for sure for all of us sure even there's even scriptures in i believe i can't remember where this first or second timothy where he's he encourages those people who are wealthy he says tell those people who are wealthy to be wealthy in terms of eternity yeah yeah so that you will have to be have to be able to give to something which is really life life to the full and that whole process of 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 generosity. Generosity has eternal repercussions. And and you know, all those are all those are important things for us to understand. It needs to be an important part of our of our thinking and our theology, the way we see God and the way we see our eternity in heaven. So so again, like you said, you can't you can't kind of have one without the other. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. We tend to talk about heaven because it is so glorious yeah it's promised to us but if i am so focused on that then i become um i become self become envious focused well you can even become envious yeah like how does that work we might not have time to dissect that totally but how do we then like maybe this is an off-topic question it's not about hell can you be envious of heaven like can can we be like envious of heaven like like how does that work? Like you're talking about the good kind of envious type of thing. Where no, like we, like 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 if I'm like you know jet like can you be like envious of heaven? Can you be like jealous or so focused only on like the good part of heaven that you forget about the things here on earth? Like in terms of like like if somebody wins a football game and you're envious of that other team, mm -hmm. you maybe get a little jealous or upset that it didn't happen to you or, or whatever. Does can you can somebody apply that to heaven? Can like a Christian be too focused on heaven? So the so I think that the proper focus on heaven. If you have a proper focus on heaven, I don't I don't know if you can be. That, a so, proper so, focus on heaven requires me to do everything I can while I'm here God. to serve God, to reach people for Jesus, to love people as as He loved us. Right, that that motivates me. It should at least motivate me to do everything I can because there is. I, I guess there there is there can be. I'll say this. I think that there is a selfish side to heaven. Yes, sure. There is there is a thought that I'm doing this because I realize that there is a reward that I'm going for. That's what that I'm talking not, about. That is not taken away, and so and and there are actually parables that talk about that. 
And they're kind of weird ones sometimes. Says, well, this guy, and he's, you know, he's going to be fired. Put your things in order. You're going to be fired. And he says, oh, I'm too old to beg. Or I'm, I'm too, uh, I'm, you know, I got too much pride to beg, and I'm too old to work. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to make these investments that will, that will allow people to have, you know, to use, to use the money to be able. But it, there's, there's, eternal, eternal things. I'm doing this because I realize that there is a heaven to gain. And it may almost seem like a selfish ambition. And scripture says, you know, it's not bad to be selfish for heaven. Okay. To be able to give, to be able to do these things. Well, I'm doing this to help this other person. I'm doing this to be able to complete whatever ministry that I'm supporting, this missionary that I'm supporting in that. But I believe that there's an eternal consequence that goes in my favor. So I don't know if that I don't know if that answers that that question really well. It's just um yeah. Yeah. No, I just was one of those things that I've thought about. Can we be too self-absorbed focusing on, you know, how we're gonna be in heaven that we forget about stuff here on earth? So and being I think so heavenly yes. be so heavenly minded that you're at no earthly good. Yeah. Thing is if you are honestly heavenly minded, you become my right. argument is you become more earthly good if you have the proper view yeah, exactly. of heaven. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. That was good. I don't know. I don't I don't have much else to talk about. I think we've laid out a lot of everything. I think people have a really good basic understanding of like you know, what hell really is. And I think that um we can definitely come back to this topic if more questions and stuff come in because like, you know, like Pastor Mike and I have said, we're not exhaustive theologians and stuff on this. This is just two, you know, regular old Christian guys takes on Heaven and sure, yeah, we might have some more biblical training than the regular person, but like, um, this is something that is just really, really important. And it was one that um, I just want you guys listening to really actually like understand that like hell is real. Like, I'm I'm gonna keep saying it because I don't think people fully understand that like it is real and it is an eternal separation from God, and that is like the worst thing that could possibly happen. It is, it. A true belief in health should not paralyze you, or make you, or make you um, so scared that you are paralyzed. I, I I don't think that it is. It should motivate us. And I have found, and again, I don't want to get myself in trouble. And if hey, if you disagree with me, write in. I'd appreciate it. I have found that there have been many people who have you've grown up in a church. And your dad's a Christian, your mom's a Christian, your brother's a Christian, and all your cousins are Christians, and and all of that. So so there's this kind of false security that that we have, uh, and so you don't think of you don't think of eternity in terms of as as vast. You know, I, I think of the fact that I have relatives, and none of them know Jesus, and and as a result, there is a motivation. Because there are so many people, or the fact that that there was a there was a hellish lifestyle that I kind of had to endure in the whole process of coming to know Jesus, that that sometimes we miss out on the motivating factor of eternity and the fact that I want to see as many people in heaven as I possibly can. There was as I as a young Christian, there was a a poem that that always seemed to get to me, and it. It kind of brought, again, the last thing I want to do is making people feel bad because that's, that's, that that is not, that's not good motivation. No. 
But the reality is that so many people that don't know God, and I want to do everything that I can to reach them, because I do believe that there is a lost eternity, that if you don't know Jesus, you'll be separated. You'll be separated. The, the whole argument whether whether there are flames and, and stuff uh, is, is irrelevant to the fact that the true suffering happens as a result, that you will be separated from God for all of eternity. Anyways, let me read the poem. It says, it's called My Friend. It says, My friend, I stand here in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. While on this earth I walked with you day by day, but never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we live together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth, and now I stand this day condemned. You could have failed because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things, that's true. I called you friend and trusted you, but, but now I learn, now it's too late. You could have kept me from this faith. We walked by day and we talked by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live, love, and die. And all the while, you, never, you knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you in joy and strife. Yet in coming to the end, I see you really weren't my friend. And I just remember uh, that, that that kind of got to me. The fact that there, is, there are people in my life who I am specifically influencing in that other people won't be able to. There are people in your life who I will never be able to reach because I just don't have the connection, the relationship to them. That the one thing I don't want is to get to heaven and have someone say to me, you never told me. Yeah. That's... You, never, you, you never gave me the opportunity. And so with that, that, that becomes the motivation, not the condemnation, becomes the motivation to tell as many people as I can about heaven and hell because both are real. Right, so, anyways, I'm hoping that this will challenge you, if not for anything, to look a little bit deeper into it, and to form a theology, and to be able to say, "Hey, this is this is what I believe and why," and take a look at the Word, take a look at some of the things that Jesus says, and uh, let it be the thing that motivates us to to send out the greatest message of love. It's called the gospel, the good news. The good news is that although there is this place, this lost eternity, you don't have to go there. Jesus paid a price so that you could avoid it. How's that sound? Is that that's I that's don't well sound put. weird. I don't sound over no, the no, edge no. No, when no, I no. when I say that. That was extremely well put. Okay. Like that is good. I don't have anything else to add. I think that's where we call it. Because yep. I think that that is the best way to do it. We don't want to condemn and have condemnation over people. We want to have motivation. Yeah. But to ignore it or to say it's not true is not good, right? We're doing ourselves a disservice. Yes. So thank you all for listening to this episode of The Forgiven Podcast. Um, please, if you have questions, comments, prayer requests, topics, anything that you want, please email forgiven at bethelbrandon.ca. Um, or you can always submit it in your review of the podcast. So please leave us a review. I do check them. So please, if you didn't like it, that's fine. Tell us so that we can improve. Um, also make sure you hit the share button. That is the most important thing that you can do. Pastor Mike and the church and I and everything, we're not here to become famous podcasters and make a ton of money and all that kind of stuff. We're just here to show people that 
you know, Christianity is, is an incremental step each and every day, and we want to help with that. And you can help by playing a small part and just hitting that share button and just sharing the episode around. Um, that's that's great, Pastor Logan. Thank you for all the work you do putting these podcasts together. If it's not for, if it was not for Pastor Logan, these these podcasts wouldn't happen. So, I just thought I'd say in front of everybody, that thanks for all the work you do. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, little last update: um, you guys have had absolutely crushing the 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 numbers lately. Um, it took us a year to get a thousand listens, and since july because that's our year anniversary i think we're close to like 600 and i think the last i looked was like 530 or something so is that like, like 1600 like yeah we're at, but we're at about 1600 listens in a year and a half nice. so we've almost doubled so Excellent. that's thanks to you guys so thank you so much have a good day god bless